class. <laughs> Good morning. Hello. Um, couple announcements. Uh, for those of you listening at home, if you could please share the feed, that would be great. And don't forget to put in your prayer requests. Um, we also now have uh, children's church and nursery available for anyone. <laughs> All right. Um, before we worship, I want to ask you if you know who we're worshiping. Um, there's a growing trend that um, there's a lot of churches out there. They will cater to your emotions, your feelings. Whatever God you want to worship, they have that God available for you. They have a God that's nicer, a played-down teddy bear, a softer God. And I don't know how you can worship that. Because God is sovereign. He is omnipotent, omnipresent. He is omniscient, all-knowing, all-present. He is everything, all-powerful. And he has wrath. He commands us to worship him, not the other idols, not teddy bears, not our emotions, our feelings, what feels good, but him, the one who created the universe, who created all things perfect, and they all fit into place. And to take that away and dumb it down, to sweeten it up, to tickle your ears. We need to pray for these churches out there that are bringing in people in hordes, huge mega churches that don't know the God that they are worshiping. They don't know that there is a God out there that will have wrath someday soon for those who don't worship him. Could you please pray with me? Yeah, you can stand if you want to. (laughs) Sorry, I'm trying to get rid of that nervous laugh. I'm working on it. Father, we are in awe of you. We are in awe of all that you have done. You are so perfect. You are moral perfection. You are beyond anything that our minds can comprehend or create. And for anyone to try to put you in a box and try to figure you out, that is idolatry. You are beyond us. We stand here, humble, in your presence, longing for your glory, for your presence. And we thank you, Father, that you sent your son here to die for us, to pay for our sins, to pay for the sins of our flesh when we fall short because there is no one that is good but you. Holy Spirit, please guide us in our worship. Please convict our hearts for those that are just not worshiping you, but they're worshiping a created image in their head of a nice God, of a God they want to worship. I pray that they will know you, the true God, and that they will fall on their knees and repent. And you will save them today, Father. May every voice lift up to you, the true God of the universe, and worship you in all your glory. 
In the name of your son, Jesus, amen.
Oh 
Today we're going to be talking about, I'm, man, all right, so last week we talked about when fear gets the mic, and we talked about um, how even the best of us, right, the prophet Elijah, the prophet Elijah, after he has the incident with the 850 other prophets, and God sends down fire from heaven, and then um, it rains, and then he outruns a chariot, right, and right after that, he gets this, this word of fear that's spoken into his life, and it totally wrecks his life. And he's like, I just want to die. Just let me die, God, right? The prophet Elijah has fear gets on the mic, speaks into his life, and totally paralyzes him to the point that he wants to die, right? That just blew my mind reading that. But that's the same thing when fear gets on the mic in our lives. But we realize that we don't have to let fear get on the mic. So... Um, we talked about that last week, though. What happens? We have to realize, though, we get to control who has the mic in our life, right? We, have the, we get to control that. Today, I want to talk about something else that get, gets on the mic and look at that. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about FOMO. I asked some people today, do you know what FOMO means? Anybody know what FOMO means besides who we shared with this morning? Okay, good. We're going to talk about blue light specials. Does anybody remember the blue light special? All right, anybody get to experience the blue light Special? Okay, all right, so we're going to talk about that. Some of you guys have no clue what the blue light special is. We're going to, we're going to talk about that. And um, like I said, we're just going to talk about this one other thing that sometimes gets on the mic of our life and just can wreak havoc, and we want to be set freed from that. So I'm excited. Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning at verse 1, and we'll get to it in a, in, a, in a minute. But this other problem that I want to speak about that can grab the microphone, right? right? A microphone is something that amplifies a voice. Sometimes there are voices that are amplified, that speak directly into our hearts, directly into our minds, directly into our lives, directly into our stories, that we do not want to do that, Right? But sometimes they can do that and they, they grab hold of us and they can paralyze us and they can draw us off course. And today I want to talk about the voice of comparison. The voice of comparison. Comparison starts at an early age, right? It starts at birth because when somebody has a baby, there is usually a comparison that starts to happen, right? Maybe it's about size. Maybe it's about looks. Maybe it's about weight. Maybe you take that baby to the doctor. I remember taking our kids to the doctor, and it was always about where does your kid compare to every other kid as far as height and weight, right? Oh, you are in the, the 90th percentile when it comes to height, or you are in the 99th percentile when it comes to weight or, or whatever that is, you know? And then it continues when you go to school because you take these tests I'm sorry, kids, 
you got to take tests every year, right, that compare you where you're at compared to other kids, and you find out, oh, this is not only your score, but this is how you compare to every other kid your age, right? You are in the, the bottom half. You are in the top half, whatever that is. You are in the 90th percentile, whatever that is. But there is always this comparison that is going on. And these aren't necessarily bad comparisons, right? But comparison can get really ugly in other areas. And sometimes those areas even can get ugly. But maybe you have a parent that said, that compared you to one of your siblings. Why can't you be more like your brother? Why can't you be more like your sister? Why can't you be more like this person? That's when comparison can get pretty darn ugly. Maybe it's in a marriage, right? Why can't my spouse look like this person's spouse? Why can't my spouse cook like this person's spouse? Why can't my spouse be more like this other person's spouse? Sometimes, sometimes it's not even other people comparing us to someone. Sometimes we're the worst at this, right? Because we compare ourselves to other people. Sometimes we do it in a way where we compare ourselves to somebody that we feel better than and we puff ourselves up. Well, look at me. At least I'm not like that person. And instead of taking on an issue that's going on in our lives, we just look at somebody who's doing what we feel is a worse job and we feel good about ourselves from that experience. Remember, Remember the Pharisees. Remember the religious leaders that were like, they were praying and they're like, thank God we're not like these sinners around us right? Look at me. Look at how much I tie. Look at what I do. Look at what I give and everything like that. Thank God I'm not like that sinner, that person, right? We, we compare ourselves and we puff ourselves up. And then sometimes we look at our other people, though, and we're like, man, I wish I was more like that person. Uh, I wish I had awesome hair, right, like that person, whatever that, I wish I had that physique, I wish I had those muscles, I wish I uh, was skinnier, I wish I was whatever it is, I wish I wasn't scared to get up and speak in front of people, right, that was a big thing in my life, man, I wish I wasn't so shy, I wish I had a, a, a decent gene that would help me play basketball, right, or play sports, I just, that just seemed to skip me. But those are the comparisons and that, that's what we do to ourselves. Comparison starts right at the beginning of our lives. And it continues on and on and on. And when comparison is the loudest voice and it's meant to put you down, when it gets on the mic, there are some, there are some really bad things that can happen. Some really nasty responses that can happen that say, I'm just not good enough, right? I'm just not good enough, or I wish I was someone else. I wish I was like someone else. You see the ugliness of comparison right from the beginning of mankind's story. In Eden, as soon as Adam and Eve took their eyes off of the Creator and put it on creation, that's when sin and jealousy enter the world. And It's right away through their kids we see comparison play out with Cain and Abel. One compared their offering to another. One was jealous of the other's offering, which leads to anger, which leads to murder. Cain kills Abel. Eight 
verses after Adam and Eve leave the Garden of Eden, comparison leads to somebody getting killed. That's how serious this issue can be. What about you, though? What have been your experiences? You'll know that comparison is on the mic. You'll know that comparison is the loudest voice speaking into your lives because it will devalue your uniqueness. Please don't miss that. When comparison gets on the mic and speaks directly into your hearts, it devalues your uniqueness. Before Mark Zuckerberg created Facebook, he started this website called Face Smash. Face Mash, not Smash, sorry, that'd probably be a whole new different website, but Face Mash. When you went to Face Mash, he took all the people at Harvard, all the students, and took their pictures without them even knowing about it. All right, and he, and he put it on this website. And when you went to the website, there were two pictures that would pop up, and you would vote on which one was more attractive. Right? And so the website then kept track of all the voting, and it ranked the students in an order of most attractiveness. So you see, right from the beginning, it was all about comparison, comparing yourself to somebody else. I'm better looking, I'm worse looking, whatever. And then we have Facebook right? And Facebook, really, the comparison continues in a whole different way. We take the perfect picture that makes us look the best. We apply the right filters. We got the right angle going on. And that is the picture that we show to everyone else. Sometimes I'm going through Facebook and I'm like, man, who is that person on my friends list? Because they don't even look like the person that I know on their face list because it is just a, it is just a doctored photograph right? But we always want to put our best foot forward. We, we only put on Facebook the things that we're proud of, the things that we want other people to know. The things that we know we're going to get compared, so we're going to put the things on Facebook that make us look the best and make us stand out. It's all about comparison. When we constantly compare ourselves to people, it crushes the idea that you were fearfully and wonderfully made by the creator of the universe. You are fearfully and wonderfully made by the creator of the universe. When I look at creation, I am amazed, right? When you look at nature, it is amazing. When you look at the the universe, the solar system, just the vastness of it, just the beauty of it, I'm amazed. And yet, when we look at other humans, when we look at ourselves, we're not amazed. But we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Don't lose that appreciation. When that happens, when you lose that appreciation, your life can, all, can become about pretending to be someone else or trying to be like someone else. Right? When you focus your life on trying to be that person, you miss out on who God created you to be. It disrupts your calling. God has a unique role that he has created you to fulfill. A unique calling unlike anyone else. He has given you different gifts. He has different, given you different passions. He has given you different talents. I saw... 
I just thought about this. You posted something about a fingerprint, right? He's given you a unique fingerprint. I wish I could remember what that meme said, but it was amazing, right? But he's made you unique and different because he has a special role for you to play. Comparison diverts our focus. Staying focused is challenging enough in this world, right? God has assignments every day that he calls us to do, but if we're too busy looking to the right, looking to the left, comparing ourselves with somebody else, wishing that we are somebody else, we're going to miss that gentle whisper that we talked about last week, right? Comparison just focuses you on what's wrong with you, and you miss out on the great things that God's created. Comparison makes you feel like garbage, and you spend your life just trying to correct that, trying to be somebody else. I used to buy Air Jordans. They were crazy expensive back in the day. They're probably still crazy expensive. I don't know. But I loved that positive attention that I got when I wore them. Wow, look at you got Air Jordans. Those are pretty cool, you know. That made me feel good, but at what cost? <laughs> I was not in a place where I could afford Air Jordans, let me tell you that, right, when I was buying them. What are we going to sacrifice to keep up with the Joneses. There's something else that happens when comparison gets on the mic, and and, um, it tells you don't miss it, right? Don't miss out on this experience. Don't miss out on having this item in your life because your life will somehow be worse if you don't have it because everybody else has it, right? That's what FOMO is about, F-O-M-O. It means fear of missing out. At the heart of FOMO is comparison, Let me give you an example. We feel bad as parents when we can't give our kids what every other kid has, right? We feel bad when we can't give our kids experiences that other kids are having experiences with or things or anything like that. Today I read that half of all seven-year-olds have a cell phone. Did you hear that? Half of all seven-year-olds have a cell phone. And that plays right into the argument that our kids use, right? Well, all my friends have a cell phone. Well, apparently they do, right? I didn't believe my kids. I was like, surely you're lying to me. I thought you guys were lying. I'm sorry. Yes, all your friends do have cell phones. Seven years old. Comparison. Let's talk Kmart. Kmart in my day was the place. It was the place. It was, it, were Kmart's big in Ohio? Because I was in Illinois. Came, all right, so you got to know about Kmart. It was my first experience with a big box store. All right, you could get everything at Kmart. And Kmart came up with this game changer, this, this idea that they implemented, this brilliant thing, and it was called the Blue Light Special. And I'm glad some of you know what I'm talking about. Um, I know most of you just get your stuff delivered by a drone today. You don't have to worry about this stuff. But it used to be that you had to go to the store, you had to go shopping and push a cart and, and everything. And, and uh, they would, at Kmart, though, have literally this pole with a blue light on it, on wheels, that they would wheel around to different parts of the store. It was like the old police blue light, you know, that would spin around and shine and everything like that. Um, so you would be going down some aisle looking at your list and they would come on the mic and they would say these words, three words, attention Kmart shoppers, right? Attention Kmart shoppers. And as soon as you heard that, you would stop. You'd be like, or you at least 
make sure you were listening to what they were about to say because something was coming. You knew what was coming. Your blood pressure would start to go up. Your, your <laughs> arms would grip the card a little bit tighter. They'd maybe even start to sweat. And you would begin to prepare yourself for the frenzy of the blue light special. You knew it was about to get real. I mean, you guys know Black Friday specials, you know, and the fights that come on. These were the origin story to the Black Friday special. It was the blue light special. So attention, Kmart shoppers. For the next few moments, they always said that. Because you knew. You, you had 15 minutes maybe, right? Uh, sometimes less than that. We are running a blue light special on aisle 13. And immediately when you heard the aisle number, you, you, were, you were plotting a course. Okay, I'm on aisle 5. It's going to be eight aisles down here. Um, I'm thinking that it would be faster to go this way down this aisle or this way. You, know, or you, were, you were thinking about that. And then they would say, we are running a blue light special on number two pencils. Four packs, 4.90 cents. Now, I didn't need any pencils. I, can, I, can, I did not come to the store for any pencils. But before I knew it, my shopping cart is doing a wheelie and I am flying down the aisle headed towards aisle 13 to get four packs for 90 cents. That was way too good to pass up. I knew I would need pencils someday, right? And I could not miss out on this deal. Now, I'm coming down out of that aisle. You better get out of my way, all right? But I know half the people in Kmart are coming to this aisle at that given moment. Right? Sometimes it was like three novelty t-shirts for $10. Whatever the blue light special, whatever it is they had too much of and they just wanted to get rid of and put on sale, that's what it was. But I knew that from every corner, from every aisle, man, they would be coming. Tires would be screeching. I mean, literally, I saw people doing this. I'm not making this up. I mean, it didn't always happen like this, of course. But literally, there were some times where people would be flying around corners and go into the aisle. There would be tires screeching. There would be people signing. There would be people getting hit. Um, people doing crazy things because of FOMO. A fear of missing out on a great deal. Right? I don't want to miss this amazing special that is going on. Listen, I had a list. It used to be in the day you went to stores with a list because if you didn't, you'd have... And maybe that's still the case. You, you go to Sam's Club without a list, you're in trouble. Right? I had a list... I had a plan, I had a budget. And like I said, I did not need number two pencils. But deep down, that thing diverted me off course to aisle 13. I did not want to miss out on getting what somebody else would be able to get. I didn't want to miss that opportunity. And I'm going to tell you, things have gotten a lot more sophisticated today with the blue light specials right? We have the things that pop up on our phones. We have Facebook that helps us show all those things that we need. We have advertisements, whatever those things are, man. Remember the commercials for the next 90 minutes, you, you can get this, but wait, there's more, right? And you, you get two of them for that price, and they just kept going like that. That was all to just get you to feed into this aisle. My friends, some of us are on aisle, three, or aisle 13 right now, but God needs us on aisle five. God needs us to be running in our lane. 
He's calling you to five, but comparison has diverted us. Deep down, feelings of missing out, feelings of not being good enough are at the heart of this. Feelings of, man, i got to provide this for my kids or they're going to miss out. When really all our kids need or really want probably is just more time with us, right? Man, don't get sucked into that comparison game. Don't get sucked into that FOMO. Last thing that comparison does is it destabilizes your sense of accomplishment. So get this, you work hard, you do your best, you try to do these things that honor God, right? And at the end of the day, you get done and you finish and you look at what you've created and you're like, wow, that's pretty good, right? But then you look over to the left or to the right, I guess that would be right, then left, right? And you see what somebody else did and you're like, wow, this isn't as good as that. And you start to feel like, man, this is garbage, right? It destabilizes how you see things, how you see yourself. Uh, There's a a, a quote by Theodore Roosevelt that says, comparison is the thief of joy. It is, right? You feel good about what you did five minutes ago, but then you, you look over and see what somebody else did, and you're like, man, this is, you ever draw something? And you're like, wow, that's pretty good. And then you look over and see what somebody else draws, like my, draw, my daughter draws, and you're like, man, I'm a horrible artist, right, compared to her. It's easy to compare yourself and feel like a failure. I, I was going online this morning, and I was looking at this other church to see if they had called off, called and canceled services, right? And I saw they had 1,200 followers, and I'm like, man, we don't even have half that many followers at our church. And you know what? It depressed me a little. It got me down. It's easy to do, right? How many people are following you? How many likes do you have on that post that you did? Um, it's easy. Man, Man, we, we have somebody that gave a testimony today. That's pretty awesome. But maybe you watch that other church, and maybe they got five people that gives a testimony, and you're like, man, this just stinks right? It's easy for comparison to to rob you of joy. Well, how do you get comparison off the mic? That's what we want to talk about today, and that's where we're going to get into the Word. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. Let's stand in honor of God's Word. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Amen? Please be seated. I want us to look at five verbs that we see in this passage. Five verbs, all right? Before we get into that, though, the writer of Hebrews wants to get us to understand that we are in this grand story where there are massive eternal implications going on. And he sets this up with chapter 11, which is called the Hall of Faith. Right? The, the writer describes how important faith is and then gives us these examples of people in the faith, people that you know, 
right? Like Abraham, Sarah, David, Samuel, Noah, Gideon, Moses. You know these people. You know how their faith changed the course of history, right? How God used them. And then at the end of chapter 11, there are these people listed that don't have any names. These were people that were fed to the lions. These were people that were sawed in two. They were persecuted for their faith. But they did not give up their hope in God, right? They were pushed to their limit. They were martyred. And yet they never wavered in trusting in his plan. So that's what we come to in chapter 12. The writer wants us to see that we are surrounded first by a great cloud of witness. We need to see that. We need to understand that. And imagine you are running your race, right? And you come to that tough part of the race, and you start to compare yourself, right, to maybe some, how somebody else is doing or, or what you're struggling or your circumstances compared to other people's circumstances. And you start to wonder, man, maybe I'm not good enough. Or you turn and look at somebody else, and you're like, why can't I be like them? Why can't I run the same way that they can run? The writer wants you to know that there are a whole group of people cheering you on, cheering you on to run your race, not somebody else's race. And you hear these people, and you know some of their stories, and you know they're not perfect, right? Moses, he killed somebody. He's a murderer. He killed somebody in anger. They were flawed people, but they ran. They ran, right? They kept the faith. And that's what we need to be reminded of. So when you're tempted to think, man, I'm not good enough, you see these other flawed people that, that ran and kept running and kept the faith, and we're reminded that we can do the same. Yeah, I might not run like the person next to me, but I need to keep running. And that's what that cloud of witnesses is yelling. Keep running. Don't quit. Right? No matter how hard it is, no matter what you're dealing with, keep running. And that leads us to the second verb, and the verb is run. Run the race that is marked out for you. This is huge. Run the race that is marked out for you. God has a specific assignment for you. You have your own lane. The enemy wants to either have it so that you don't run or that you get out of your lane and miss out on what God intended for your life. And he has many ways to attack But for sure, the one way he does it too is to get us to focus on somebody else's lane, somebody else running, and try to run in that lane. From God's perspective, he did not make you like the person to the right or to the left of you. He didn't. Romans 12.4 says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others, we have different gifts. We need, we need to really understand this, that God makes us different, gifts us differently. He does not make us all the same. He didn't want you to look like anyone else, right? He didn't create clones. That wasn't the plan. The plan was to make you different, to gift you differently, to gift you special, because your life is unlike any other person's life. And he has things for you to do in that life unlike anyone else. And you have to get that. And you have to quit comparing yourselves to somebody else. If you keep reading, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. 
If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, how cool is that gift? If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Run your race. Run the race that has been marked out specifically for you. Stay in your lane. One of the most important things that you need to do is find out God's calling on your life. 90% of God's calling is in here. You can figure that out by reading here and what it tells you. But man, there's something special too that God wants to call you to do. And it's not just one thing. There are days where he calls you to do certain things, right? If we'll hear, if we'll listen. What comparison does, though, is it makes you look at this list and say, well, why didn't I get prophecy? I really want prophecy. Prophecy sounds really cool. I want to really want to be a leader. You know, I really want gifted. Why did I get mercy? Why do I have to show mercy to people? Why, why did I get that? Why did I get the, the gift of encouragement? That's boring, right? Oh, God's the one who sees the big picture, though. God knows your life, knows exactly where you are. He has a plan for you, and prophecy does not help in that plan. Not for you to use it. So stay in your lane, run your lace, and use the gifts that he's given to you, and you'll finish in that lane. Guaranteed first place finish in your lane if you'll run it. Third verb is rid. The Hebrew writer says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles so you can run with perseverance the race marked out for you. Now, when I read this verse, I usually consider this like sins of um, indulgence. Bad sins that kind of weigh us down and he's saying just get those things off of you and run those things. But there's also the sins that kind of slow you down and get you going in the wrong direction. And I think that's the sins that we're talking about of comparison, of jealousy, of envy, of covetousness. It draws you off course. It gets your attention off course. It diverts you. It keeps you from remembering that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. It's a false sense of humility that says, oh, I'm not good enough, right? Or I'm not gifted like that person. I'm not like that pastor. I'm not like that teacher. No, God made you unique. God made you special. God has called you to whatever it is, all right? And you don't need to be like that person. How boring would church be if there were a bunch of me running around, right? We would never get any, you wouldn't have the, the thing plowed out there. Nothing would be fixed around here. Nothing would be, it'd be boring. It would just be boring, right? If we're all the same, we're different. We're called to come together, though in that differenceness, and form one body. One body that represents Jesus Christ. Right? God made you unique. He made you special. Quit getting down on yourself. Quit, quit noticing the faults, pointing on the faults. Quit comparing yourself to someone else. Realize that He has given you an amazing gift. If you know Jesus Christ, if you had given Him your life, if you call Him Lord and Savior, if you are following Him, He has given you a gift to use. And I'm not talking talents. Those are, those are cool too, right? Talents are the things that you're good at, things that you're passionate about. Everybody has certain things that they're talented 
and you should be using those for God, but then God gives you a special gift, something that you're not good at. Because when you step out and use that gift, people can't point to you and say, oh, wow, you're talented. No, I'm not talented in that area. This is God's gift, and God gets all the glory, and God gets all the credit, and you have to rely on him for that gift. So what gift has he given you? Pray for God to reveal that to you. Pray for God to reveal what purposes he has for you every day. Lord, what are we doing today? Give me an opportunity to speak into somebody's life today. And don't let me miss it, right? Don't let me be looking to the left, looking to the right at somebody else and just miss it. Hmm. You have an important, amazing lane to run. Get at it. My friends, you aren't here just to read history. You're here to be part of history. You're here to make history. You're here to come together with a body of Christ, follow the Holy Spirit's leading, and change people and see people changed through the power of God, right? You're here to make history. You're not here to just read about people of faith. That's good to do that, right? You're here to step out on faith. You're here, you're here to do that. You're here to run your race. Don't miss that. Don't let jealousy, don't let anything else take your eyes off of that. Get running. Some of you are walking. And God says, your stride is much bigger than that. Get running, right? You can't run full speed, though, if you're constantly looking to the left or to the right. You're going to hit something. You're going to trip. Something's going to happen man. Run full speed. Well, how do we do that? How do we run full speed? It's for, from the fourth verb, and it says fix. Fix your eyes on Jesus. If you have social media, you're following somebody, right? You are following people. Who do you follow? Who are you fixing your eyes upon? If Jesus is not at the top of that list, if it's somebody else that has that primary part of your life, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's another person, maybe it's a parent, if, you're, if they are at the top of your list and you are basing everything off of their opinion, you're going to behave like you think they want you to behave. You're going to behave how you think will make them happy. And that will not be the lane that you need to run. You will be running in a different lane it's only if God is at the top of that list and you have fixed your eyes on him that you'll run the race that you need to run, that you'll stay in the lane that you need to run. I'm reminded that Jesus is the one who said, follow me. He's the original, right? Follow me. If you're going to run your race, if you're going to get free of that comparison trap, it's only going to happen if you quit looking to the right or to the left or to people. Maybe it's a guy. Maybe it's a girl. Like I said, maybe it's a parent. Only if you're going to quit looking at them and fix your eyes upon him. If you want to compare yourself to anyone, compare yourself to Jesus, right? Your best you is when you look most like him. Your best you is when you look most like Him. That's why God brought you from death to life. That's why He made you a new creation. That's why the Holy Spirit resides in you. That's why He's filling you with His Word. That's why He's giving you His heart. That's why He's given you an awesome body 
community to be a part of, to encourage you in that race so you can mature into the very likeness of Jesus Christ. Fix your eyes upon Him. Last verb is fight. There is nothing easy about doing this. Right? There is nothing easy than to get away from the comparison game. There is nothing easy about changing the trajectory of your life for something that we have been dealing with since birth. Since that we have been dealing with for family members and friends and spouses and doctors and teachers and, and everybody else like that, right? You've heard it said about you. Maybe. Why aren't you more this way? Why aren't you more that way? Why are you the black sheep of the family? Right? You've heard it said from people that you care about. Why can't you be more like this person or that person? And you've told yourself, man, I wish I was more like this person or that person. You hear that, from a long, you hear that for a long time and that's hard to break from. That's bondage. Comparison has hogged most of our mics for all of our lives. It just happens naturally. And getting comparison off the mic is not going to be, oh, I listened to a sermon from Pastor James and it was just like, oh, yeah, it just happened and I'm, I'm good to go now. Right? You're going to have to fight for it. You're going to have to fight on your knees. You're going to have to trust God to take that away. Right? Hmm. This will not go away without you fighting for it. Listen to this. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfect of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Do you see the fight that's going on there, or the fight that went on there, right? If I fix my eyes on Jesus, and if I'm following him, what's he looking at? What was he looking at? He was looking at the joy. The joy he was looking at was the joy of you and I being reconnected with our Heavenly Father. The joy of having our relationship restored. The relationship that was destroyed in the garden. That was the joy that he was looking at. Right? He saw you getting the very best. And that was joy to him. Now, in between you, me, and that joy was the cross, right? The cross. And he said, if i got to go through the cross so that they can know that they are loved, that they are fearfully and wonderfully made, that they are prized by God himself, he was willing to do that. If that's the end game so that people know how valued they are, then I'll go through it for that outcome. Because that's what it's all about. I'll scorn that shame. Shame keeps us from doing things, right? This just hit me when I was reading this. Shame keeps us from doing things. Do you ever think how shameful, embarrassing it must have been for the Lord of the universe, for the God of the universe to come down and become a human being, to come down into this, to be spit on, to be beat on, to be insulted, and then to have the very people that you created crucify you, mock you. To let the enemy think 
He had one. I wouldn't have done that. But he did. He was looking at that joy. But for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. How in the world do we ever have the audacity to question anything about our Lord and Savior and his love for us? How in the world? Some of you need to really get this because it's holding you back like chains on your life. It's drawing you off course, comparing yourselves to others. It's preventing you from stepping out on faith, from running your race. And I want you, I want you to be able to fix your eyes on the one who created you. I want you to realize that he did create you in a special way and gift you I want you to realize that you were worth the cross to him. I want you to realize that he calls you his sons and his daughters. Why in the world would we care what anybody else thinks about us if the God of the universe sees us in that way? But it's hard to do. Right? We need to get it. Fix your eyes upon him and run the race that he has laid out for you so that others can come to know a Savior that loves them, so others can come to see there is a God of the universe who loves them, who died for them, so that they can have their relationships restored. Right? If we do that, we'll hear those words that we all long to hear. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. What's more important than that? Run your race marked out uniquely for you. If you do that, no matter what, no matter how that compares to anyone else, you'll hear those words. Would you stand with me? Well done. You ran your race. My friends, only one person can tell you those words. Only one person has the authority to tell you those words. And that is the big secret to getting out of the comparison game. There's only one voice that matters in the end. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. There's one person at the end of the day knows how you were made, knows what you have been given, knows where they led you, knows what they spoke into your heart, knows all the gentle whispers that have been given to you. There's only one person that's called you to run the race. And he's the only voice that matters. That is the same person that knows exactly what you've been through in your life. The hurts, the pains, the betrayals, the words that have been spoken to you, the comparisons that have been made. But he also sees the sacrifices that you've made, heard the prayers that nobody else has heard, knows the real story about you. And he's the only one that can say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I wish I could get to the place where that's all that matters 100% of the time. It's a struggle, though.
It's a struggle not to care what anybody else thinks and to make that the priority. But it starts with a daily dying to yourself. A daily getting on your knees and fixing your eyes on Jesus. That's what we need to do. Some of you aren't in the race, right? Some of you have been falling down. You can't change where you're at in the race right now. You can't change how you started the race, right? What you can change, though, is how you finish the race. And I want you to give serious thought to that, how you want to finish this race. And I pray that you'll get down on your knees and fix your eyes upon him and make him the only thing that matters, the only thing that's important when it comes to an opinion about you. Don't let the enemy speak into your life. Don't let the enemy have the mic and tell you you're not worth it, you're not good enough, you're just a failure. Whatever, whatever the enemy speaks to you, you tell him, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, and I'm fixing my eyes on my Creator, the one who went to the cross for me, the one who loved me that month, the one who scored scorned shame, right? You tell the enemy that. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. Lord, I pray that people in here would be set free of the comparisons that have plagued them and that have been in on them their whole entire lives, Lord. Father, I pray that instead they would fix their eyes upon you, that I would fix my eyes upon you, and that I would give you my life, that they would give you their lives completely. Lord, help us to know the path that you've called us to. Help us to be spending time in your word, spending time talking to you. Lord, reveal that. Holy Spirit, let us keep in step with you and run that race. Lord, put people in our paths that will encourage that. Remove people in our paths that will discourage that. Lord, help us not to listen to those voices, but only listen to you. Lord, give us opportunities. Give us opportunities today, tomorrow, to speak life in other people's lives, to speak truth in their lives. Give us opportunities to share burdens. Give us opportunities to love on people, to be there for people, to help people. Lord, give us opportunities to run our race. And don't let us compare ourselves to anyone else, but only to who you created us to be. Father, we love you and we praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Go sledding.